Hello, everyone. Welcome to another message for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We are going to be covering a message for Sunday, November the 20th, 2022. The title of the message is A Spiritual Journey, The Person of God. And we thank you so much for being here. We thank you for joining us. And if you're looking for a church home, Akron Alliance Fellowship is a great place in Akron, Ohio. Not too far from where the Akron Zoo is. We are at 688 Diagonal Road in Akron, Ohio. You can find us online at akronalliance.org. And you will find us also on Facebook at Akron Alliance Fellowship. That's where the page, that's the name of the page. And we, of course, are featuring live stream Sunday school as well every Sunday morning. And we have messages also that are available for you to look at for those of you who can't make it to Akron to come and join us. But if you can make it, Boy, I welcome you to come and just enjoy the fellowship time. We talk about the Word of God and nothing else, and that's what's most important. So we appreciate you being here today. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, thank you for this time that you've given to us to just sit quietly now before you and hear you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to learn more about you, that we can know more about how we can grow in our relationship with you, grow in our faith grow in our trust, grow in our knowledge and wisdom that only comes from you. We thank you and we just give you praise. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Sunday mornings are not the only days we sit in church to learn more about God. I don't think anyone really believes this, but I'm just going to put it out there that every day that you live, if you're within the body of Christ, every day is a day of learning more about God. Now, I must mention this because there was a time in your life, and this is for everyone, uh, where you did not live every day for the Lord. I'm referring to that time of your life when you were an unbeliever. An unbeliever has no innate desire to learn about living a life for God. Now, I did not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ until I was 26 years old. I can tell you without a doubt in my mind that it was not of my own effort that I made it to age 26. And I had to come to a place where I knew that I needed Jesus. Jesus had to carry me to that time and place in June of 1986 to realize that I needed him as Lord and Savior of my life. I had to come out of a place of foolishness and utter lostness to a place where I knew it was time to grow up. And that is the same truth for all of us when we knew it was time to acknowledge that Jesus was Lord and Jesus is Lord. Now I use the words foolishness and lostness with intent because as a non-believer, I was living for myself and only myself. It was much like living as a child and behaving in a childish manner. I still had a lot to learn. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. And this verse is a perfect description of where we are at different maturity levels. 
This is from the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, please follow along in your version. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. It was up to me and me alone to decide to become more like a man, like an adult. Sometimes we make jokes today about hashtag adulting these days, which essentially means making important decisions in the present and future that are necessary to carry out in order to live and function within mainstream civilized society. Adulting is a modern way to do the things that you need to do. For example, to keep a roof over your head and keep the lights on, keep the heat on. And what do you have to do? You have to go to work. You have to get a car to go to work. And dare I say it, you've got to pay your taxes too. Others have associated legal age to adulting, but to that I say, not so fast. There are plenty of people who are legal age, but are far from adulting. In fact, adulting, for those who are legal age, can be non-existent within one's own personality. When I was 18 years old, I can assure you that my idea of being an adult was strictly related to doing what I wanted to do. Even though I thought I was an adult, I was still acting like a child and doing childish things. And I'm using myself as an illustration to tell you that if all of us are being honest about who we are, honest about ourselves, we can all point to those moments in life when we were immature. We even have those moments when we become believers in Jesus too, don't we? The body of Christ is made up of different personalities that have different levels of maturity when it comes to our faith. Even as this is true, we all must continue to grow and mature in our relationship with Jesus. Here's a couple questions for you. Do you know Jesus? Do you want to know more about Jesus? Well, our maturation in Christ must begin with us. We need to know more about who we are in order to grow in a relationship with him. We need to be honest about who we are, especially before him. We need to have a very good handle on our own personal attributes. In the same manner, a way to learn more about God is to learn about his attributes. The God that we read about in scripture has character traits that help us to begin to know more about who he is. Now, we're going to cover some of those today, but we should note that these attributes are just a start in learning more about the character of God. These are not all-inclusive, but hopefully they will inspire you to go to God's Word and learn more as you study Him for yourself. And that's the best way for you to learn. You know, I can speak about it, our pastor can speak about it, but ultimately you have to learn who Jesus is in a relationship with him for yourself. A good place to start is a passage that describes the characteristics of Jesus in the present and future. In the present, he is the risen king of kings who overcame death for us. You'll find that in Revelation 19:16. And in the future, he is our Lord forever and ever. That's in Revelation 22:13. 
But please turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Let's take a look at that. Isaiah 9, verse 6. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version, which, in my opinion, this particular passage is, they're all very similar if you use different versions of the Bible, but the King James Version does something that's very important. It takes that word wonderful and kind of puts it by itself, which is a really good descriptive of who Jesus is. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Each of these names of Jesus call for the mature believer to give him his due. He is the one who gave of himself for those who believe in him to have eternal life. It is because of his deep love for us that we are compelled to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. You'll find that in Philippians 2, verse 12, the second part of verse 12. In this effort, we can truly learn more about ourselves and how we truly can't do anything without him. He doesn't want us to live a life without purpose. He wants us to live with purpose. Please take a look at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 13 through 16. Philippians 2, verses 13 through 16. Remember what I just said. He doesn't want us to live a life without purpose. He wants us to live with purpose. And this passage is going to help show us this. Philippians 2, verses 13 through 16. This is also the Christian Standard Bible Version. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world, by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. Amen. We are to learn more about the character of God as we hold on to his word. So let's take a look at the attributes of the person of God, shall we? First of all, God is all-knowing, all-present, and all-powerful. God is all-knowing, all-present, and all-powerful. Now the first 16 verses in Psalm 139 describe his omniscience, which is his knowledge of everything, his omnipresence, because he is everywhere, and his omnipotence, his almighty power. We're going to cover verses 13 through 16. So turn to Psalm 139, and let's look at verses 13 through 16. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. Christian Standard Bible Version again. Verse 13, For it was you who created my inward parts, it's a fascinating passage. You knit me together in my mother's womb. 
I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Verse 16, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. I don't think you can read much more beautiful poetry than something like that. Now, some people will may try to convince you that with everything bad that goes on in the world, God is absent. Or at one point in time, if you were to watch television commercials in the late 60s, many people thought that God was dead. If you remember this time, there was a lot of turmoil in the world in the 60s. The Vietnam War was always in the headlines and often reported weekly American casualties. Rioting in major cities like Cleveland and Los Angeles took place from 1965 to 1968. John F. Kennedy, President of the United States, was assassinated. Malcolm X was assassinated. Robert Kennedy, a rising candidate for President of the United States, was assassinated. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Actress Judy Garland died of a drug overdose. Actress Sharon Tate was murdered by Charles Manson and his cult members. We in our human nature try to process these tragic events with the logic that God was absent or indifferent as to their occurrence. Now, as we study him and his word, we learn that this is just not true. Satan wants you to believe that God is detached, that God is uninvolved and far away, and that he is not at all that his word claims that he is. God is aware of everything happening. He wants to seek him for wisdom, guidance, and of course, comfort in our moments of uncertainty. He hates sin and sinful acts because they are the very antithesis of his nature. Please take a look at Psalm 5, verse 4. Psalm 5, verse 4. Psalm 5, verse 4. This is from the English Standard Version. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. God hates sin. But we're a people of free will. And we have decisions we have to make sometimes when it comes to making sure that we are being obedient to him or we choose to go in another direction. But it doesn't change God's nature. He loves us. The statements that follow now are in the category of God is statements. God is. God is statements. God is spirit. John chapter 4 verse 24 says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. God is a consuming fire. You'll find that in Hebrews 12:29. God is light. 
Turn to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Let's take a look at that one together. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. God is light. First John chapter one, verse five. Again, the Christian Center version. This is the message that we have we have heard from him and declare to you: God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. Amen. And one of the more important statements we can say about God is: God is love. God is love. Flip over to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4, and let's look at verse 8. And we're going to also look at verse 16, but let's start with verse 8. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. And then drop down to verse 16. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. How do we know about the love that God has for us? Well, we would read and study in his word, but look at the way you have been preserved and kept. God knows exactly who you are. And he's known about you for a long, long time. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. Now, if you get nothing else out of this message, always default your thinking about who God is by remembering that he is a God of love. Your very existence is proof of how much he loves you. The fact that you're here right now is evidence that God loves you. You may not be experiencing love from others, but the one who created you loved you from the very beginning. In a world where love is absent, God wants us to live in such a manner that we are replicating the love of Christ in our comings and goings. And we do that because God is love. Amen. We covered this earlier with the description of Jesus in Isaiah 9, 6. God is eternal. Amen. Turn to Psalm 90. Psalm 90. 90, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2. Lord, you have been our refuge in every generation. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. How powerful that statement is. We serve and love an eternal God. Did you know that God is not limited by time and space as we are? As we mature in our faith, we can be like Paul with the expectation that we will be with the Lord for all eternity. Our soul Upon death, leaves the body and will reside with the Lord. Death is not to be feared unless you don't have a saving knowledge of Jesus. Note that the deaths of Lazarus and the rich man describe a relatively immediate transition of their souls from their earthly existences to the afterlife. 
you would find that in Luke chapter 16, verses 22 through 24. Take a look at those on your own. You'll see exactly what I mean. With the knowledge that God is eternal, we are to live in confidence of the victory that Jesus has over death and that through his salvation, our souls will be with him one day. Amen. Please take a look at Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. We're going to look at verses 24 and 25. And I pulled from the New Living Translation on this one because I love the way it explains exactly about this hope that we have to be with Jesus. Romans 8, verses 24 and 25. Romans 8, 24. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. In verse 25. But if we look forward to something yet we don't have, we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Patiently and confidently. We know it's going to happen. We have to be patient, of course. Now, what else does God say about himself? He's a jealous God. He said so himself. He is also avenging and wrathful. He is slow to anger and great in power, and he is good. And we find all of those in the, the book of Nahum. Nahum. Nahum chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 2 and 3, and then look at verse 7. And this just kind of just describes again about who God is. And we have to understand that God is a is a, a God that he has an emotional relationship. His emotions are under control, of course, but he has an emotional relationship with his people. He is always crying out to us to make sure that we are following him or looking to him. And he doesn't like when we divert our attention away from him. Nahum chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 the Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is fierce in wrath. The Lord takes vengeance against his foes. He is furious with his enemies. Verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger but great in power. The Lord will never leave the guilty unpunished. His path is in the whirlwind and storm. And clouds are the dust beneath his feet. The Lord is good. This is verse 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in a day of distress. He cares for those who take refuge in him. That's part of this love relationship that he has with us. He hates sin. He does have enemies. He will judge them. He will take out his wrath upon those who oppose him. But he's also showing you his loving kindness that he has for us as well, too. If we take refuge in him, he will comfort us. And so for this particular exercise in today's message, we're going to conclude that our God is holy. Amen. He's a holy God. And that's a very, very important aspect of his personality. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 15 and 16. 1 Peter 1, 
verses 15 and 16. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Verse 15, But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Now where else is this written in Scripture? Go all the way back to Leviticus 11. Leviticus 11, let's look at verses 44 and 45. Leviticus 11, verses 44 and 45. Whenever you see something in Scripture where it says, for it is written, it's usually referring to an Old Testament passage. Uh, and that's what we need to recognize here. So Leviticus 11, verses 44 and 45, and it says, For I am the Lord your God, so you must consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. Do not defile yourselves by any swarming creature that crawls on the ground. For I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. So you must be holy because I am holy. Those are the very words to the Israelites. They had a standard they had to live by. And that standard is God's standard. Now, we're not perfect. God is perfect. But that doesn't change the fact that he wants us to try to reach for his standard. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7, says, Consecrate yourselves and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy. You know what? That should be our attitude. As you continue your spiritual journey, let the Lord speak to you as to his own character, and may you see him as you grow in Christ with greater praise and reverence for who he is. That's what a relationship with Jesus does for us. It gives us greater appreciation for his greatness, for his majesty, for who he truly is. We are no longer to act like immature children, but to live as children of God. He will know you by your fruits. Let's look at one more passage to close out. 1 John chapter 3. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. We are to not act like immature children, but we are to live as children of God. Verse 1 in 1 John chapter 3. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And verse 3, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. 
Remember what we said? Be holy because the Lord is holy. In this hope, purify yourself. He is pure. He is holy. He is a wonderful, mighty God. Amen. Father, thank you for the teaching of who you are, the person of God. We thank you, Lord, for the different attributes that you've shown to us to reflect your character, to reflect who you are. Lord, may we examine ourselves on a regular basis that we indeed can match up with you from the standpoint of being holy because you call us to be holy. Lord, we know that our imperfection keeps us from being holy, but that doesn't mean that we don't try to learn more about how to live a better life in you. How to always hide the word in our heart so that we may not sin against you. This is your call for us. And Lord, as we learn more about you, teach us, Lord. Show us your wisdom and knowledge. Show us your truth. Strengthen our faith in you. We thank you, Lord, for how you indeed show how much you love us, how much attention you give to us, how you're never far away. You're very close. And Lord, may in your closeness, you comfort us, you guide us, you encourage us as we go. Thank you for affirming us, Lord, as we go, as we remain in truth with you, as we remain obedient to your very word, because, Lord, you teach us that your word is good for us, and it is good for us. I thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing and all that you continue to do. Bless us and keep us, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today for this message for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. Thanks for looking us up. Join us also on akronalliance.org and on our Facebook page, Akron Alliance Fellowship. Thanks so much. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time.